y'all. Welcome to Too Legit. My name is Anna Wonkwo, aka On a Mission. And I'm Kelsey Jandok. I go by KJ, aka KJ the Doer. Yes, welcome to episode nine. This is a podcast Ooh. for non-traditional law students with non-traditional backgrounds. Our goal of this platform is to encourage and to give those who are thinking about law school or who are already in law school some tips and tricks on how to navigate the legal profession in a strategic way. If you've listened to our last few episodes, you know that I was a former registered nurse. And I'm a former flight attendant and still currently a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, so thank you to all who have listened to us thus far. It's been nice to hear from you and all your feedback on all our platforms. Please keep sending us questions and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our episodes. Mm -hmm. Today, we have the privilege of speaking to another classmate of ours, and also the president of Black Law Student Association, Ray Williams. Say hi to our listeners, Ray. Yo, 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 what's up? I'm excited <laughs> to be here today. Um, you know, I just, no, 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 real quick. I just want to take a second to congratulate the both of you on this podcast. Uh, she's dope doing. She's really dope. You're I'm so sweet. Thank you. Uh, well, we're really excited to have you because you also have done podcasts before, so it's nice to have somebody who can help us with this, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Ray and I go way back to just about a year ago, actually. Way back. Yeah, I know. It seems (laughs) like we've known each other for so long. I mean, the reason why I think you and I connected so well was because of our backgrounds in business. Uh, Both of us have our master's in business. And, um, you know, with that, the actual entrepreneurial mindset, your gusto, your work ethic, you know, that we both have sports and entertainment in our backgrounds. And, you know, above all, I think the reason why both of you are actually my, you know, business partners, actually Ray's going to be my future business partner, is that everybody's a go-getter and, you know, and on top of it, the cherry for me is that you both are so humble, so easy to work with, and so reliable and trustworthy. That kind of stuff cannot be taught to me. I value both of you being here so much. I really appreciate that. Wow, y- y'all just trying to make me cry in the beginning. Right. Of the episode. Both <laughs> no, of y'all. but it's true. We gotta, we, we gotta acknowledge, you know, this world, there's a lot of negativity. So it's good to like, you know, tell people like what it is that you appreciate about them, right? No, yeah. for sure. So. I appreciate that about you, Kelsey, KJ. I appreciate <laughs> and, um, both of you though. Thank you. All right. Um, So for those of you who aren't familiar with Ray, let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, What did you do for before law school? Oh, wait, where are you from first off? Yeah, so I'm from uh, Tacoma, Washington, aka the city of destiny, as I like to tell people. That's the actual nickname. Born and raised. (laughs) um, Before law school, I was, as KJ alluded to, I got my master's in business administration. Masters of Business Administration, excuse me. Um, so I've always had that business mindset. Um, back in high school with my Decker class president, mm-hmm. when I went after my undergrad um, experience, I actually had every intention of pursuing a business degree. I switched up a couple of times, ended up doing broadcast journalism, which I love very dearly. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a crim GA minor, film studies minor, but I just really got that itch during my junior, senior year of wanting to pursue my MBA because mm-hmm. I wanted to 
have that freedom that I felt like that it could afford you in, in terms of being able to be your own boss, you know, X years down the road. All that was really appealing to me, you know. So I just took the jump, bet on myself, my MBA, and now I'm in law school. You know, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, always wanted to be an attorney since I was a little kid. Um, going back to my upbringing in Tacoma, I just never necessarily saw people who looked like me in positions that I saw myself in one day. Um, mm-hmm. And I really just wanted to use my, you know, the, the talents that I felt like I was blessed with and be an asset to my community. And I felt the best way to be able to do that was to be an advocate at the table. Um, so that's kind of one of the reasons that compelled me to want to go to law school. Also, a funny story, when I was in kindergarten, my mom went to go see a fortune teller. And the fortune teller told, told, told my mom that I'd be a corporate lawyer one day. So we'll oh, wow. see. Damn. <laughs> it's, been, it's been in the cards for a little bit. So uh, we'll, okay. see about that. we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, so it's just been, you know, it's just been, it's just been something that's been on my heart for, you know, my whole life. So I've just been working towards it, trying to manifest this dream of mine. Um, I think we're all doing a pretty good job at creating this reality that we see for ourselves. So yeah, and that's me. Yeah. So, I mean, you've mentioned that the psychic said you're going to be a corporate attorney, but is there any other area of law that you're interested in practicing? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I'm very interesting background uh, with media, business, and then now my law degree that I'm pursuing. I'm interested in financial services, technology, and uh, digital entertainment, so like blockchain and like uh, fintech related matters and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to silo myself to that. I'm very much still open to different areas of law that um, I, I may want to explore. I'm really just focused on trying to be the best asset that I can for my community. Again, we talk about um, the financial services aspect of it right. and just how I didn't necessarily feel, at least I can speak from, from my experience with my family, and just financial literacy and having to live from you know paycheck to paycheck, not necessarily mm-hmm. having the opportunity to, to build wealth. Um, that's something that I want to help. That's, yeah. that's that's an area of opportunity that I see that we can build on in, in, in my community. So that's that's an area that I want. I really want to dedicate myself to and be an asset and a resource uh, for my community. And so I'm just really trying to figure out what exactly that looks like right now. Um, I I think I told you all earlier, but my my, my dream job though would be to be the uh, general counsel, assistant counsel for the Seattle Supersonics, if and when they do come so back Supersonics. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. You know what's really funny, right? That's actually one of the reasons why I chose um, to be in Washington, too, is yeah. because that is one of the things I wanted to do, too. Yeah. I've always been obsessed with the Sonics. Um, quick question, Ray. What would you wish you had known prior to coming to law school that you know now? Ooh, I, wish, good question. I wish I knew, I always knew law school was my plan, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I always planned for what I would do when I get to law school. Um, but that plan always just looked like uh, performing at the level that I knew I could perform as. And, and I think that really shows academically, but more so I wish I knew what extracurriculars I should be involving myself in, um, who I should be talking to professionally and just in terms of getting my name out there in this legal legal world that we're trying to navigate to. So I, I think I wish I would have known just um, how to better differentiate yourself in, mm. in, in law school. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I've always just depended on my, my academics 
I mean, and the other things that I brought to the table to differentiate myself. But now we're in an environment where everyone else is just as academically, if not more academically gifted than I am. So just finding different ways to really make myself um, a value, really, right. really, really, really show that value um, is something that mm-hmm. I wish I knew more about before coming to law school. I was blessed to have great mentors once I got here who put me on game and let me know what I should be doing. But I don't think everyone is as fortunate to have those type of people in their life. And I wish, I wish everyone did have the opportunity, but um, that's just not the case, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And for people, I guess, who don't have that as well, it's good to keep that in mind so that when you do get to law school, you ask people for direction yeah, or how to navigate and connect with those kind of people or do those things, you know, because it seems like you did figure it out very well when you did get. I appreciate that. Like I said, I was, I had great mentors that helped me along the way. Um, Now I just want to pay it forward to the next generation coming up behind us. Um, For sure. So, yeah. Yeah, All right. Um, So now that we've got to know you a little bit better, Ray, um, how about we delve into today's topic? which is code switching. Okay. Um, Some people might not know what the actual definition is, but many of us do it without even realizing it on a daily basis. Um, Mm -hmm. KJ, could you give us the official definition of code switching? Yes. So the official definition of code switching is the practice of alternating between two or more languages in conversations or social settings. So like, for example, I'm from Hawaii, and in Hawaii, we have a slang language called pidgin. So it's like pidgin English, and it's a combination of regular English and then all the other cultures that we have here combined, you know. Um, So for me, I feel like I speak my normal day-to-day English, pidgin English, law school English, and then a combination of all of that depending on who I'm talking to and when I'm talking to them. You know, what What about you, Anna? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely code switch every waking hour of my life. Um, first, I am a first generation Nigerian data from Houston, Texas, the greatest city. H time, shut it down. <laughs> and then on top of that, I'm a registered nurse. So I have like medical jargon up there. So anyone listening to me talk in like, I don't know, span of an hour, I might think I'm schizophrenic, but you know, I can't help but switch because my network is so diverse. Yeah. Ray, Ray, How Ray. about you, Ray? I'm in a very similar position, you know, a very diverse network so i find myself switching between uh dialects like mm-hmm. constantly throughout the day just depending on who i'm speaking with and what environment that i'm in um yeah i this is i got i i was coach switching before i even knew what it was yeah um, exactly so that just goes to show that like it's just i don't know it's 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 an interesting dynamic part of the premise of this podcast is for non-traditional students and to increase diversity in our space from being non-traditional and to also show other people like us that this second career in law is very possible. So, you know, for us growing up, it was mainly about identifying with our culture, but in the legal field, there's a different kind of jargon, legalese, you know, that we speak every day in class. Yeah. I mean, whether we like to admit it or not, um, the legal system 
has been historically dis, you know, set up to disenfranchise and marginalize people. It wasn't until very recently or you know, even still to struggle today, but um, right. the fact that we're having more and more diverse communities enter this field is why code switching is vital. Um, yeah. Why do you think, um, or what does code switching mean to you, Ray? Yeah, so I think at the core of code switching um, at least at least for me, and this is my perspective on it, I think code switching kind of smooths mm-hmm. the edges, yeah. um, mm-hmm. kind of makes somebody more digestible in the sense of, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example. So as a black man, I may be perceived as threatening or intimidating mm-hmm. until they have a conversation with me and they hear the way that I can string together sentences or put together words. You know, I've been called articulate. Um, growing mm-hmm. up, I didn't necessarily read much into it as I've gotten older. I consider that more so of a backhanded compliment, but just, Oof. I think code switching is really just, mm-hmm. it, 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 it kind of just, I hate to say it, but it makes somebody more presentable. Mm. Um, and that's unfortunate that it has to be like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's, under, that's understandable. I don't even know if presentable is the right word. I don't think it is. I think there's a better word out there like for it. Like palatable or digestible, yeah. You know, you know, and along those lines. And I just, mm-hmm. okay. it's, it's unfortunate, but that's just the game. You got to play, you got to play, you got to play the game. Right, right. And, you know, like, like I said before, um, we, I, I rack pretty much all our episodes or all our episode topics and today is no different. That's a perfect segue into our issue is why is code switching useful in the legal setting? And so we came up with three rules, obviously not exhaustive, but um, three rules of why code switching is beneficial in the legal setting. And mm-hmm. I said, or we said that it helps with properly articulating um, a, se- a, a scenario or an emotion that would otherwise be misunderstood by someone from a different background. Mm-hmm. Two, it helps underrepresented communities bridge with the legal community. And mm-hmm. then three, it's like you said, right? It's necessary for survival in some instances. Yeah. So right. now we're going to get into the analysis. And um, did you make any adjustments to law school that were different than your prior professional career, Ray? You know, any adjustments that I, I would make, I don't necessarily think I would recognize them at this point, just because, you know, I've been code switching since I was a little kid, you know, my first, oh, wow. is like, it, I've spent my whole life in predominantly white institutions. Mm-hmm. So going back to the survivability um, piece that you had, you alluded to, just just in order to survive these, these environments that I was in, I had to, to an certain extent, adapt the way that I not only presented myself, but how I spoke, who, like, how, depending on the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that necessarily changed when I got into law school. I think I became more comfortable with who I am as a person. So I, I definitely think I'm more authentic as a person in law school. Um, so... I don't necessarily find myself code switching nearly as much just because more intentionally. That, yeah. Cause that professional aspect is who I am okay. now. Right. Um, and that professional to me is still being authentic to who I am as a, as a person. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's, 
So yeah, to answer your question, I don't necessarily think I, I changed that much. Um, if anything, the change is the is a comfortability piece, and that's just being comfortable with who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm in my right. own skin, um, so I don't necessarily feel the need to code switch that much. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's situations where it calls for it, right? You know, you present giving a presentation, speaking in front of you know large audiences. But when I'm when I'm with my friends, like when I'm with y'all, like I I can be my authentic self, you know. Mm. Um, Okay. Um, So like rule number one, um, going back to rule number one about being able to properly articulate uh, an emotion or a scenario. Can you give examples, Kelsey, of when in the legal profession, otherwise certain words have a better ring to it with the legal angle? Yeah, like I guess certain uh, legal jargon like that you would have to say like something like maybe cease and desist. You know, instead of oh, uh, can you stop, stop. that? Stop yeah. that now, please, yeah. please, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right. And you know, I mean, I guess um, you know when you're representing clients, it's all about competency, right? So they want to know that you know what you're talking about. So that's why we have to know the jargon and switch it up for that and utilize that because it showcases to who we're working for and who we're working with and who we're working against. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. I'm sorry to cut you off. I no, think, no, no, no. Go for it. I Go think for that, it. I think that what you had mentioned about the, so the clients know that you're good at what you do. You know, a piece of advice that I was given real early in my legal career is if your work product is good, like it speaks for itself, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter like what language I speak, whether or not I can speak the highest grade of English, whether my English is broken. If your work product is solid, that should speak like volumes in terms of like what you're capable to do as an attorney. Um, mm-hmm. right. Obviously, there is a there's a business aspect into it, whether you want to be able to reach a larger audience, so you right. want to be more appealing. Um, right. That means you have to be more um, going back to the digestible piece. You know, if, if that's how that comes across or if that's how, you know, that bridge is made by code switching, then so be it. But I definitely do think if your work product, um, yeah, you should be, you should, your work product should speak, should for, speak itself. for itself. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. um, that that's that's interesting that you brought up that point because um, sometimes, and at least from my experience, people who are deemed can be deemed uneducated or incompetent with you know not being able to have that those resources. Case in point, my mother she came here from Nigeria. Well, both my parents came here from Nigeria, and she had a thick accent. And I can remember even early on going to different places with her, people would act like they didn't know what she was saying because. She had that accent over it. This was right, a person right. who had two masters and <laughs> was working yeah. on her PhD while she was pregnant with me. So like, it wasn't right. even a, a, like an issue of her being incompetent. It was just the way people perceived her. But right. at the end of the day, her work ethics spoke for itself. Yep. Right. And, um, you know, those, those, so I guess that brings us to our next point, which is that it's important for helping to bridge yeah. upper underrepresented communities. Um, can you speak a little bit about that? What you mentioned it, or you kind of hinted at it, Ray, in terms of what you're, what you want to do when you graduate and advocating for your community? Yeah. So I think something that I have been spending a large part of my life trying to improve on is being able to speak to anybody in the room 
whether mm-hmm. that be a CEO down to, you know, a cashier, I definitely think that I can come across, not even just come across as authentic, because I think that's disingenuous in and of itself by saying that, but I, I think right. I can resonate and connect with people at very, very, like various levels um, of, an, of an organization or in the community. So I think that will allow me to really do, I don't know, I think that'll, that'll open up doors, um, not only just for me, but it's the community that I, that I wish to help just because I can go and I can speak to these people, hold these conversations, you know, talk business. I think code switching, and it and it's unfortunate that I have to, again, resort back to saying, you know, you, using code switching as a, as, as a means to an end. But in that sense, code switching is the way that is going to get that mission of economic empowerment accomplished. And so be it. That's just what it is. Um, I just want to make sure, again, that we spoke about earlier, is I remain my authentic self um, predominantly. Um, and right. I just want to show up as my authentic self. Um, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm situated. And, and again, Coach Witch is not something that I enjoy to do. It's just going back to the survival aspect. It's something that is necessary in, in order to reach those places that aren't necessarily, uh, weren't necessarily constructed like us um, in mm-hmm. mind. So, yeah, that's just how I feel about that. Okay, well, that's perfect segue into our last rule. <laughs> just jump in the gun. <laughs> um, it is like, which is what, what you're saying, that code switching is necessary in the legal field. Like, like back, going back to what I was saying, you know, we're going to have clients, we're going to have people who depend on us, who don't know the right words or the right things to say or who to reach. And we're right. going to be that that contact between them in their survival. I think, you know, even though code switching and being able to move, maneuver in different settings traditionally been looked down upon, I think it should be, you know, lauded because it helps people to bridge who normally wouldn't be able to bridge certain communities. What do you think? Right. Yeah. I agree. I definitely do think, you know, like talking in dollars, like you have, like you as an employee um, can tap into a whole, like another demographic of potential clients just by being there and being able to speak their language, mm-hmm. literally, like literally, literally and figuratively, right? Um, right. Broken English, you know, whether it be Debo, like it's, yeah. Going back to you, you know, it should be lauded that like you're an asset if you can, if you, if you, can, if your diversity, like, if it, if it has that level of like range, um, and the capability. I guess that's what I, that's an aspect of code switching that I do appreciate. Just the uh, what that it, it affords you in terms of like, you know, expanding your abilities. Yeah, yeah it just, it just sucks because yeah. it kind of goes back to the I actually have an example of that. Yeah. This past summer, my fellowship was a tech fellowship. So one of the first presentations and meetings I had to do was basically bridge the gap between the tech department and the legal department. So I had to speak each of their languages in order for them to understand each other. And that helped both of them because neither of them were seeing eye to eye on what the heart of the matter was. So I had to break it down for the tech people so that they could understand what the legal people needed and the legal people could understand why the tech people needed what they needed, you know? So code switching isn't always just, you know, cultural languages, but, you know, uh, it can apply to a professional setting between different fields of interest. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What about yeah. Um, you, Ray? Yeah, um, I think my experiences is really much, it just ties down to my, my, my time 
that I've spent in academia, whether it be, you know, from elementary school up until now, um, again, it's going back to the fact that I've been in predominantly white institutions. Um, I speak differently at home than I do in public um, in these institutions just because um, I'm mindful about obviously how I present myself and how I come across. Mm-hmm, but right. it's, it's unfortunate. I think it's a very timely this topic uh, with, with everything that's going on in the world. Um, I'm not sure if I if I mentioned it already or not, but you know, I could as a black man, um, I could be perceived as intimidating or threatening. So right. I, I code switching is literally a, I mean to survival in the sense of like people hear the way that I speak and they feel more at ease or they feel a, a little bit like I may have dispelled this 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 stigma or this idea of, of how they thought I should be or should act. Mm-hmm. I, I, right. it's, 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 it's weird because I, I don't know. I, I feel like I find myself code switching more. I find myself code switching to, again, going back to that digestible point. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, I totally I'm not know what you mean. The, uh, as efficiently as I, as I want to, but it essentially it just boils down to the fact that I find myself code switching because it's, it's again, a means to an end of, of just making sure that people perceive me in the way that I want to be perceived. Like they don't, they're not intimidated right. by, by me. Um, so it's, right. it's, it's unfortunate, but that's, I don't know. It's yeah. kind of necessary. Yeah. Like you said, it's a balance and it's a balancing act, you know, and there's pros to it in terms of like opening the doors. And like you said, means to end, but there's right. also cons because sometimes you feel, I don't know, like inauthentic. inauthentic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You feel like you're might be selling out. You know, I've yeah. been told plenty of times growing up, oh, you sound white. And I'm right. like, For what sure. does that mean? Right. <laughs> right. This is what Same. I sound like. <laughs> right. You I know? get asked if I'm from the mainland. They're like, oh, you're not from Hawaii, are you? Oh, you okay. Know? Thanks. You know, lo- local <laughs> people ask me that here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's all about a balancing act. And, um, I feel like it once people embrace it as opposed to trying to so hard to put people in a certain box or put people in an exception category, mm-hmm. then, you know, we can, I don't know, maybe I, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, but maybe we can ultimately bring about true justice because yeah. we're mm-hmm. un- ultimately understanding everyone. Um, right. All right. So you want to hit us with that conclusion, KJ? Yeah. So while, Code switching can often be looked down upon. It is a really vital tool for merging different communities together, especially communities of color, because that's our sense of bonding and, you know, having something in common. And the reasons why it's really important in this legal space is it it can help us properly articulate what we're trying to get across that would not otherwise be understood in plain language. It helps us bridge the communities of underrepresented people and it is very necessary for our survival right yeah um and for the debrief i will echo that by saying you know we all come from different experiences rather than looking down once again we should embrace different codes as cultural cultural expression and at the heart of it you know i just feel like we all want to be heard and treated with dignity and so mm-hmm. embracing yeah. code switching is essentially having different groups help achieve this, whether it's in a professional setting, whether it's, you know, even in a personal setting. Right. Um, all right. Anything else you want us to know about you, Ray? You know, I think 
I think your last piece really just got me thinking again, just going back to that centering, centering aspect. Um, KJ, you spoke earlier about how code switching rooted in, you know, languages and in the different languages. And I really, I'm really curious and excited to see a world that uh, these cultural differences are more centered so people can show up as their authentic self rather than having mm-hmm. to put this persona and portray themselves as something that they may not necessarily be in order to survive in advance. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just really, I'm just really trying to, uh, I don't know. I you just, know, I think it's going to move that way. Hopefully it might be slower than we would like, but the good thing is now there are more people like us in these positions. Yeah. So we can increase people's cognizance of this. And For then sure. talking about it, people can learn that, hey, it exists. Because we might talk about it off air, but you know nobody really officially talks about its importance. So I think these are steps in the right direction. For sure. And again, later. Uh- yeah, I, I just I didn't even know I was code switching until I got to you know later in later in high school and in college and I actually found out like there's a word for it. I just thought <laughs> I was being professional. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, last fun question for you, Ray. Yep. What do you want to do once outside is officially open? <laughs> That's a great question. I actually want to go see uh, the Seahawks play. I'm really excited for the oh. season this year. You know, they just got Jamal Adams. Um, oh, yeah. It should, be, it should be a pretty solid defense. Hopefully. Um, you know, I just think that's a really good unit that they have, and I'm just excited to see what they do. Hopefully, they make another playoff run. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to be, you know, sports, see something in person, be around right. people, feel that energy. Um, right. I'm very. That's something about me. Um, I'm very like sensitive to the energy around me. Hmm. Um, right. I just like being around good, positive energy. Um, Same. So yeah, I just want to be around people I, I care about um, safely. So yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you once again for agreeing to be on this podcast. It yeah. Was thank you so awesome. much. Ray. No yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Anytime. Until next time, legal people. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.